good morning times three. Uh, today, Joe is going to be preaching out of the book of Exodus. Uh, it's going to be in Exodus chapter three. It'll be verses one through 15. It'll be Exodus three, one through 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of the people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land of that land, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent, you, or has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Let's pray. Uh, God, we just, as we read this story that I'm sure many of us have heard before with the burning bush, I can't help but to relate to Moses in the story many times, thinking about tasks in life that are difficult and how am I capable of those. Um, but you see the greatness in that, that soon after you respond and say that with you it is possible in your will. Lord, I pray that that would be on ours, that we would live that way for you. And Lord, I pray as we dig into the word that um, you would speak through Joe as he uh, teaches us out of this section. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning times four. This morning we're going to talk about what is in a name. And a couple months ago, uh, this song that we just sang, A Thousand Names, came across my desk. And I was like, that's cool. I kind of put it on the back burner. And then Mitch actually went and saw Phil Wickham live a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, we have to do this song. I'm like, cool. A thousand names. That's a lot of names. Is this legit? Is this real? Um, So I got online. I started looking it up. And sure enough, I ordered two books that had A Thousand Names for God Read them both cover to cover, which is not that impressive because it's literally just their names and a Bible reference. And I was like, all right, this is real. Cool, we can sing this song. I love it. Um, And part of that, I I started, you know, 
digging into the names of God. And um, I thought it'd be appropriate today uh, to share some of that, um, starting with uh, the first name of God. But before we get there, names carry a lot of weight. Names carry with them connotations, whether it's an event, uh, good or bad, or we can just think of like a, a moment in time or whatever it is. So uh, I've got some examples and names here. So uh, let's think about Hollywood. It's a place, maybe if you think about Hollywood, you think about like rich and famous people, actors, actresses. For me, I visualize the sign, you know, and of course, like from the mountaintop, you don't want to be looking at it, you want to climb it, you know, and check it out, see the beautiful view. So that's Hollywood. Another place would be Haiti, very different than Hollywood. When we think of the name Haiti, um, for me, I think about the hurricane and the floods, or I think about missionary teams that uh, churches that have been part of have sent there. Uh, to help out. Like there's a whole thing encompassing just the name of Haiti. Or maybe we consider some people like Mother Teresa. Uh, we talk about her often about the fact that she gave up all the luxuries she had in life and really her whole life to serve the poor, to love on children, to share the Bible with kids. And we just think about her loving nature. Or maybe we could consider Frodo Baggins. I will take the ring, though I do not know the way. Frodo Baggins, son of Drogo Baggins, was a hobbit of the Shire in the late Third Age. He bore the one ring to Mount Doom, where it was destroyed, saving Middle-earth from eminent evil. I hope you appreciated that. I paid $11 to be able to play that audio right now. Will was here in the first service. He just gave me a dirty look. Like, there's nothing good. With names come more than just a name. There's things attached to it. Uh, the passage that Mish just read to us out of Exodus is where God reveals his personal name. So let's uh, look back on that. If you have your Bible and you want to open it to Exodus 3, we have some Bibles in the back. Probably be a little awkward not to grab them, but uh, for next week, they're on the shelf there. You're welcome to use them while they're here. You can get up and get one too if you want. That's fine. Um, I'm going to give you the JSV, the Joe Standard Version of this passage. So Moses was hanging out, just doing his thing, and all of a sudden this fire out of the midst of a bush, yet it wasn't being consumed. And um, when he looked at the bush, the Lord said, Moses, Moses. Now, the first thing to note about this passage, it starts with an angel of the Lord, and then quickly we move to the Lord. You might be like, well, what's going on there? Which is it? Well, uh, as we know from Scripture, nobody can see God's face and live. And so the angel of the Lord, angels are literally God's messengers, is there in place so that Moses can actually see him and be safe. So... With the angel of the Lord, uh, it's a safe place for Moses. And we actually see later that Moses hides his face to protect himself. Um, so he says, Moses, Moses, do not come near. Take your sandals off. This is holy ground. Um, and he says to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He knew his Bible. He's like, okay, this is the God that we have been serving and we continue to serve. Um, I don't want to die. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've come down to deliver them. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of Egypt. And then we skip down to verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses was just simply asking, Okay, I know about you. I serve you. I love you. But I don't actually know your name. I just know the things that you've done. 
And this is what God says back to Moses. I am who I am. That can also be transliterated to, I will be what I will be. Basically, God says, I is. Um, and Moses is like, what? Um, and we read a little further. God also says to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. That's the ESV translation. I want to take a quick look at the NLT translation. It's a New Living Translation. This is a little more thought for thought and less word for word. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. What God tells Moses, in addition to saying, I am that I am, he says, this is my name, Yahweh. Now, in uh, ancient Hebrew, there were no vowels. So it was literally just Y-H-W-H. And the fancy scholarly term for that is the tetragrammaton. I'm saying that not because I'm smart, because it's fun to say. Tetragrammaton. That's what we call how we write Yahweh's name. Um, And this name has been held sacred by Jews since it was given to Moses in the bush. So sacred that they don't use the name at all. Um, We can kind of equate that to our parents. It's kind of a similar thing. My parents are Fred and Dorothy. I never called them Fred and Dorothy unless I wanted a nice, cool month in my room. I call them mom and dad. It's a a respect thing. Um, And I find it interesting, you know, with our culture, it's kind of declining in respect. We haven't touched that yet, and hopefully it doesn't get touched. But we say that out of respect for our parents in the same way that Jews held God's holy name as reverent in their hearts, and they they wanted to honor him in that way. Um, So instead of calling him Yahweh, they called him Adonai which we've heard before. In Hebrew, it's spelled with a Y. In English, our translation has it with an I at the end. Um, And that simply means Lord. Um, And that version of Lord is like a king over uh, a a place or uh, like a master over a slave. That would be the version of Lord they use. So instead of using Yahweh, they would use Lord. Now, they wanted to ensure that all the Jews would continue to follow this practice. Um, So they went through some pretty great lengths to make that happen. And what they did is they took Yahweh um, without the vowels and they took Adonai with the vowels and they took the vowels from Adonai and they put them right into Yahweh to create this word, Yahweh, which nobody said. And the reason they did this was so that the Jews could see the name and remember that God's proper name is Yahweh, but at the same time remember not to use it and to use Adonai in its place out of reverence and respect for God. It was never meant to be pronounced. It was just a mental reminder so they could remember his name and also remember to be reverent of his name. Um, So fast forward quite some time to 1520, and we get this really smart gentleman, Pedro Colonna Galatino. And he sees this name, and he's like, I think this is a lost name for God, and I think I know how to pronounce it. So he says, it's Yahuwah or which translates to Jehovah. And immediately he's met with opposition. They're like, no, no, we're not supposed to say this name. He's like, no, this is the last name of God. And that actually stuck. And people still say Jehovah today. Now I have good news for you. If you say that, I have said that. Um, God knows you're talking to him. <laughs> he knows everything. Um, and it's totally fine to say that. But that's where we get that, um, that name from, which is really interesting. In our Bible and in our ESV, 
we don't really see Yahweh. What we see is the Lord. And it'll be spelled the, and then Lord is all caps. Every letter, every letter is capitalized, and they shrink it down a little bit. Everywhere in your Bible you see the Lord, that is a stand-in for Yahweh. Um, and in our Bible, it happens, some sources say 65, um, sorry, 6,500 times. Some of them say over 6,800 times. It is all over the place. That's not to be confused with Lord with the capital L and then lowercase O-R-D, which means like a king over his people, because we have that too, like he's the king of kings, the lord of lords. That's not this Lord that we see here. Um, this particular Lord is a stand-in for Yahweh. Um, now, the ancient Jews would only use this name one time a year on the Day of Atonement, and it'd be the high priest in the Holy Holies in a prayer to God. That's the only time they would mention Yahweh. Modern Jews, um, on Yom Kippur, also the Day of Atonement, will use the name ten times, the rabbi will, while he's doing the prayers. And some modern Jews will use it once daily in their daily prayer, but many Jews still will not use it. Um, and actually, this week I met some Christians that um, are in Jewish circles, or they have Jewish friends, and out of respect and reverence for them, they also will not use Yahweh. Uh, so a quick recap, but Yahweh, it literally means I am who I am, or I will be what I will be, which is the eternal name of God. This name for God sets him apart from every other thing that's ever existed, because he is the only one who has existed forever past. Everything else has been created. This is a unique attribute, a unique characteristic of God, that he has always been, that he is currently, and that he always will be. And that's encapsulated in when he says, I am that I am, or I will be that what I will be. It's his eternal quality captured in a name. For us, we can't really comprehend eternity. It's, it's really hard to think about eternity past, like our finite brains can't really grasp that. Uh, we have a hard enough time thinking about 90 years here and like really dedicating our lives to God and living without sin, yet alone in light of eternity with him forever. And he knows that, that. He loves us still inside of that and forgives our sins. But it's really hard to think about that, but that's what he is. Um, and it's amazing. We still reference Yahweh in our singing and in our reading. Um, one way that we do that is actually the word hallelujah, uh, hallelujah, which literally means praise to you, and Yah, referencing Yahweh, praise to you, Yahweh. So I want to encourage you when we read or sing that to think about the meaning of that, praise to you, Yahweh, praise to you, God, the God of Jacob and Abraham, the God who met Moses in the burning bush and led the Israelites through the water, the same God who is Jesus Christ incarnate. That's who we're praising when we say the word or sing the word, hallelujah. Um, we're going to transition now to Jesus. So we talked about God um, and his eternal being. Now Jesus is God incarnate. It's Emmanuel. It's God with us here. Um, the name Jesus in Hebrew is Joshua. Uh, they didn't have J's for a long time, so it was Yeshua, um, which those two names are interchangeable. Just a quick look. If you look at Acts 7, 45, the ESV says our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua. King James says uh, Jesus. Hebrews 4, 8, it's the same thing. Joshua in the ESV, Jesus in the King James. Um, that doesn't mean that you should start calling Jesus Joshua, because I won't know who you're talking about. Um, our English transliteration is Jesus. That's what we call him. That's how we know him. Um, but uh, it's also, he's known as Joshua to other names, um, or Yeshua. And Yeshua is important um, because Yeshua comes out of Yahweh. We're going to get there. 
So what does Jesus' name holy mean? Um, and why does this matter to us? Well, we see in, at the beginning of Matthew, um, when Jesus is given his name, uh, she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus. And in the same way that God says, I am that I am, we get another definition here. For he will save his people from their sins. In Joel Acts in Romans, we see the, the, a reoccurring passage that says, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the Old Testament, it's the Lord with the capital L-O-R-D, referencing Yahweh. In the New Testament, it's not. It's the capital L, lowercase O-R-D, meaning he's the King of Kings, he's the Lord of Lords, like he's the God overall. Um, the good news is they're referencing the same God. Um, and that is Jesus. Um, now, Yeshua quite literally translates to Yahweh saves. In God and the burning bush, we see God's eternal being, the fact that he always has been. And now in the New Testament, we see God incarnate, Jesus, who also has always been. It's the same God, but also saves. He has eternal life and he gives eternal life. Quite literally, his name means the Lord saves. Jesus' name means what Jesus does and what he has done. Jesus is eternal and he gives eternal life, which we call salvation. The gospel is quite literally the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. All of this is connected from the very beginning. In Romans 10, 9, we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. You will inherit this eternal salvation. So if you are here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is how. This is the way to do it. If you speak with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, like God raised him from the dead, you are now a Christian and God gives you his spirit to live in his power in this life and with him forever. Um, I remember when I first became a Christian, um, I didn't really know anything about the Bible. And I thought for like probably a good year or two that in a moment where I would sin, I'm now disconnected from God in a way that like if I died in that moment, like I wouldn't go to be with him. And I thought that for a period of time, um, and I think maybe even today, many people probably still think the same thing, that like my dependence on God and going to heaven was dependent on if I confess my sin immediately. Uh, well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. When God went to the cross to pay for our sins, he paid for all the past ones, the current ones, and the future ones. And we are secure inside of that. And that's the good news of the gospel, that we have a Savior named Jesus Christ, that we are secure inside of that. Um, Paul actually says, he refutes the other side of that. Well, now that I'm secure, so that means I can just sin and do whatever I want. And Paul says, no, you cannot do that. Every time we sin, it's like we're putting them back on the cross, and we don't want to do that. We want to live a new life by the power of the Holy Spirit for God's glory, not a life that's drenched in sin. Um, but that doesn't mean that if we sin, that now we're falling into condemnation. So I don't want to get in the muddy here. But basically, God paid for our sins once and for all, and we're secure inside of that. Um, I had this really cool opportunity to, um, to tour around the country uh, with an artist and spend a couple of months in different churches. Um, and I remember I was in Montana with this man who, like, he looked like he was from Montana. All right kind of big. He had this huge beard, like he could have been out of Lord of the Rings. And uh, he lived in the side of the mountain, like I'm not even joking. And uh, we were about to do this concert. And with the band I was with, we'd do a lot of concerts in the evenings. And then Sunday morning, we were usually at a church leading worship and or leading like community group worship stuff. 
And we were in Montana, which is kind of towards the back half of the tour. And we were talking about the struggle we had about being in these different churches that had different theology. They were part of different religious things. And we were trying to kind of wrap our minds and our hearts around like, is this okay? Is this right? You know, we'd be at one church one day where you had, it was like King James only and you had to wear a tie to go into there and I couldn't bring a drum into the church. The next day we'd be at another church and there'd be 10 people with flags over here dancing while we're singing, you know, and it made it really challenging. I remember there's one church in Tulsa. We got there and there was a Starbucks in the lobby. Hallelujah. Like a genuine Starbucks. Like, man, how do I get that in my church? (laughs) But it was so different and it was such a cool experience to have. But we were really wrestling with how do we go into these churches and lead worship when we don't agree with everything that they're teaching? And uh, this mountain man, uh, he told me, he said, you know, what God's word says about that is that nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I felt really convicted and that really stuck with me that that is the great equalizer that if you say Jesus is Lord and you believe it and your life reflects that, you're a Christian. You're part of the Christian church, regardless of all your other theology. And I'm not saying that to say that theology is not important because it's really important. We want to know God for who he truly is. We want to know his word and live lives that glorify him to the best of our ability. But that's the great equalizer. Uh, and I say that this morning to, to hit a different group of people, the people that you've said, okay, Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe in my heart, but I'm not really sure if I'm going to heaven. I don't have that confidence that, yes, like you are with me. Well, Scripture says you can't even say Jesus is Lord except by God's Spirit. And Scripture also teaches that his Spirit in your life is a deposit for your future inheritance with God, that you're going to live with Jesus forever. So I want to encourage you today, if you're in that boat, if you're wondering, am I, am I really a Christian? If you've said this, it's only by God's spirit that you can say that, and you are part of his church. God is eternal, and he alone gives eternal life. It's in his name. He always has been. He always will be. And in Jesus' name, we see that not only is he eternal, but he can give us that eternal life if we accept him into our lives. This is the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that... You have always been, that you are with us right now, and you will always be. And even inside of that truth, Lord, you came down to save us from our sins. Lord, thank you so much that you made a way that we can have a relationship with you, that we call you Yahweh, we call you Father and Savior, and yet we can still call you friend. Lord, thank you so much for the new life and purpose we have because of your Son. Lord, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will live lives that will honor and glorify you in all that we do. Lord, thank you so much that we can be part of your family, part of your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that all of our lives will glorify you in every way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.